Welcome to the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast with me, Madge Obasaki. I'm an ordained minister, a church consultant, author, and I'm honoured to be the host of this podcast. This podcast addresses a wide range of issues which affect the healthy growth of the church at large. Every single Monday, you'll hear me with fellow ministers, church leaders, and experts in their field to help leaders in the body of Christ identify practical solutions. Join me every Monday for an episode of the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode, episode 30 of the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast. And today I'm really excited because I've got my third couple ever on this podcast, Jared and Kiara Mason, and they're from MTM Creative Imaging. We are going to be talking mainly about social media, but they've got so many bows to their string or strings to their bow that we are going to have a great time today talking about that and how it might help your church or your ministry. But before I do that, I hope you're enjoying this podcast. And if you are, please consider subscribing to whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. And if you can leave a message or comments about the podcast, that would be really helpful. And share the link with other leaders in the ministry or church. So with that, without further ado, I want to welcome Jared and Kiara. How are you? We're doing amazing. Hey, How are you doing? I'm, I'm very blessed, very blessed. But you're over in Orlando. I was there uh, literally a year ago uh, doing ministry. I was um, invited to a church leader's conference to speak over there and I spent one day in Orlando and then went over to Jacksonville and it's an amazing place I'd love to go back at some point so tell me about your faith journey and how you came to set up MTM creative imaging the the faith journey has definitely been a, a ongoing process because you know we walk by faith and not by sight so it's a daily thing yeah. so for us it really it it almost started on accident. Like um, when we were going through this whole thing to be in media, it was really uh, a call from our pastors that said, hey, we need to take the net. This was years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago. We need to be more active online and doing this and doing that. And in this whole process, Kiara and I, we grew up in different parts of the world. She grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I grew up in Japan. Because of that, we had many different experiences. So once we got married, our family was like, hey, what's going on? How's the, how's the house? How's the kids? How's this? How's that? So we would make videos that kind of keep everybody updated. And then more and more opportunities started to come from that where people were like, hey, can I share this? Can I share that? And people started to come from other industries and find our content. And that actually led us to um, paid contracts with different um, TV shows and on YouTube, um, on YouTube mm-hmm. with different platforms. And we were like, hey, you know what? This is actually a, a, a profitable venture because Kiara, she has, she, um, has her bachelor's and master's in social work, which if you want to talk about that. Um, you can kind of jump in and, and then we'll continue on. Oh, yeah. So um, I got my bachelor's and master's in social work. So I've always been a people person and I love people and I love empowering people. And I, I believe that I'll, I'm called to empower women. And so a lot of women had questions about our, our marriage journey. So like Jared said, we went into YouTube and um, 
that kind of really catapulted us to realizing, wow, we can do this for other people and help other people in their social media platforms. And that's when we created MTM Creative Imaging and Co. Because we already love photography. We already love videography. Now we could do that for other influencers and other business owners. So that was kind of our, our faith walk to starting this company. Yeah. So your your company is MTM Creative in Imaging, and as you said, it started with kind of the vlogging uh, YouTube. I know you've got a really successful YouTube channel. So your company was set up primarily for who? Primarily, it was for influencers and business owners because we realized that they were lacking in their social media presence online, and we figured, okay, let's help you out with that. And that's how it started. And this is particularly relevant at the moment because, um, as has been quoted, we are in the new normal. Or um, I think we're approaching it and I don't know whether we're going back to what we thought we had before. So this is particularly relevant because a lot of stuff is going on online, the majority of it, um, so that this is really useful. But you haven't mentioned the church in all this. How does that come into it? Actually, um, that's interesting because that was uh, the thing I was thinking we got to talk about. The whole heart of this really came from internally in our house. Um, we have a passion for serving leaders. So we actually serve in ministry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, that's literally where all this started. So as I mentioned a little earlier, our pastor was like, hey, we got to take the net. And the reason why that was important was his call. And our call is to set order to chaos. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of chaotic things happening in the world, in business, in families, in marriages, in all these different areas. And the word of God is what allows chaos to be organized. So if you look, look at scriptures where it says, I'll make everything work out for your good. So how does that happen if not everything is good that happens to us? So Mm. having that dynamic of saying, Hey, this might be the mess that you're in, but we can make something out of it. It's kind of where we came in through the media perspective is like, hey, yes, you might have a, a business that's serving this need or that wants to accomplish this goal or has this mission. But you're not maybe as effective as you want to be. We can help clarify some things that need to be fixed there and help you get to where you want to go. Same thing in marriage. Hey, you two are together. So now that you two are together, it might not be everything you expected. But did you know what your expectations were and give them kind of like a a prelude of what to expect when they were to encounter you? So we can help you clarify those things as as well, identifying roles and proper um, ways to basically come together in agreement from a kingdom perspective. So your pastor actually approached you and said, you know, how can we do this? How long ago was that? You said a few years back? Well, I would say, yes, I started attending our ministry in 2011. And it was more so a mandate that he believed um, he's called to, which is taking the net. So we got to our church in 2011. And that's when our pastor communicated to us that, hey, my mandate in this earth is to take the net. He knew that he was called to be on social media for a while before churches were really gravitating to that. And he told us, you know, I want you guys to be kingdom representatives on your social platform. So I want you to show God's light on your own particular platforms. But within our church, let's strategize together on how we could, you know, take over the net with Great Freight Church or the ministry that we're a part of. And so he would have us do different challenges um, to talk about the word of God, um, representing our ministry on our own 
particular platforms, but it pretty much started there. He told the church that, hey, this is what we're called to do. And if we're connected to the vision that he has um, spoken to us, then that's what we're called to do as well. And we kind of took it and ran with it. (laughs) Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, that's the way a lot of ministries um, start off. So you're millennials, which for anybody that doesn't know or is not familiar with that term, um, the two of you are actually 30 years old, uh, both of you. I know that because we've spoken before. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, which hits right bang in the middle of what a millennial is. So it's an age group. Um, it's people born. What year were you born? 1990. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, babies that were born from 19, I think it's something like 1988 onwards or backwards, if you like, yeah. are millennials. And then you've got the Generation Z. And you've got two little ones, so they'd be Gen Zers, if you like. (laughs) (laughs) A very different generation. So what are the main challenges with reaching millennials, particularly, especially in this season where we've got a pandemic and the ongoing need for online services? Um, I think both of us can take this. (laughs) You can go first. (laughs) Okay. So, um, So one thing I would say a challenge is millennials have so much information they can look up answers on their own but a lot of times the answers that they find they don't necessarily see in person so what i mean by that is a lot of times you can um if you're looking at success or business or church or whatever case may be they read something online or they read something in the scriptures but they don't see it in the street and what i mean by that is it's like okay you know what if you're if you're going to business school well does your business professor have a business no, they just teach business. And if you go to church, well, does your church environment fully embody every element of the scripture? Then it's like, well, who actually has the results? And I think that's the biggest thing where these days days and times, the kingdom people have to step out of the shadows and say, hey, we actually do have results. We actually do apply the scriptures to our lives. And it does make a significant difference. Is it perfect? No, because none of us are perfect. Jesus was the only one that was perfect. However, with this whole process, there is a side that even the scriptures say, you know them by their fruit. You can't fake that. If you have love, it's going to show up. If you have patience, it's going to show up. If you have kindness, meekness, gentleness, all these different things, it's going to show up in your life. And then the same thing in business. If you have quality customer service, it's going to show up. If you take care of your clients, it's going to be apparent. And a lot of times people do research And then the people that they go to get answers from give them an answer that they're not willing to live. And I think that's the biggest crutch or one of the biggest crutches when it comes to millennials is wanting to find somebody that gives an answer with their mouth, but lives it with their action. Yeah, that's pretty powerful stuff. I have to say it bears out some research I did a few years ago, about 2017, where I spoke to mainly millennials about the future of the church and what it looks like. They wanted to see the examples for real. So, you know, it's in parallel with what you're saying. And you're thousands of miles away in a different culture, and yet people over here were saying the same thing as you've just said. Um, Did you want to add anything to that, Kiara? Yes, I also wanted to add that we're in a day and age of information And we're inundated with information so much so that um, I think it inhibits us as millennials to really act (laughs) 
ironically, we want to see other people in action, but we just take in a lot of information that we don't necessarily always take that action to do what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and so I've seen that hinder a lot of millennials that they're just waiting to to know more, to get more information. They're getting fat off of the word, as the word would say, but not actually applying it to their lives. And I've seen that happen as well because they're just hungry for more and more information. So that's another thing too. I love that you just said that because there's there's an interesting thing from the previous generation would always say, knowledge is power, knowledge is power, knowledge mm-hmm. is power. But what we've been finding out from our mentors and and walking in life is it's not knowledge is power, it's implementation. Yeah, application. Mm-hmm. And that application is really what makes a difference because if I know that I can drive my car and get to the store to get groceries and get back home, I know that. But if I don't actually go and do it, mm-hmm. I'm still hungry. Mm-hmm. So knowing is not power. Implementation of what you know is where the power shows up. Right. Yeah. I mean, as you were talking, uh, it occurred to me, you know, faith without works. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, as you said, we can have all the biblical knowledge, but if we are not able to turn it into implementation in a practical sense, it's a, it's just like I was talking to a church leader about discipleship. I, as you know, I'm a church consultant, so I was talking to the church leader because they were concerned that people were not being as active or as Mm. committed as they wanted them to be. I asked them what their faith journey, the faith journey of a typical congregant was. And they looked at me quite knowing what to answer. And I said, well, for instance, how do you disciple people? We have Bible studies. Mm -hmm. I said, well, that's a start, but that's not full discipleship. Right. Mm -hmm. You need to show people by the examples of your life. And that's what Jesus did. Um, He did it all the way through. If you look at Luke uh, 9 and Matthew 10, you will see, you know, he said, now I've given you the power and the authority because he had been training his disciples all the way along who became the apostles, of course, that, you know, you're going to encounter these things in life. You know, shake the dust off your feet, he said. So all the way through, he was discipling, teaching, training. That's what it means, really. Mm -hmm. So as you both said, it's very holistic, needs to be holistic. So thank you so much for that, because it's a salutary reminder. Now, what can the church do about it. We can talk all we like, but let's get practical because you've clearly identified that your generation, uh, the millennials, are seeing things very different from the previous generation, which I believe is Generation X and um, the boomers as well. So what can people of that generation, how can they respond to this in a very practical way using what you're experts at, which is social media? Okay. I would say one, it starts back with what you were saying is the discipleship, is the relationship. Because once again, as millennials, we get information and we take in a lot of information. So we'll listen to messages. We'll listen to podcasts. We'll listen to YouTube videos. We'll listen to audiobooks. But now we need someone to grab our hand and say, hey, I care about you. What's happening in your life? I, I I want you to be involved. How can we do this together? And I think millennials really like 
partnership. Um, we're not your average millennials. So we're very, very involved in our ministry. We understand leadership. We understand honor. I think that's something that's lacking in our generation that um, I believe that we're called to teach them on. But I think first it involves our leaders showing that, hey, I care about you. Let's do some things together so that we can be involved with this vision that you've given us. And then with social media, I think it'll bleed over into social media because you'll see more people um, participate because like I said, once again, people want relationship and that's really lacking in this day and time. We hear a lot of messages, but we want to know that, hey, do you care about my opinion too? Um, and I'm not saying because we understand honor, honor and leadership, we understand that just because you have an opinion, it doesn't mean that a leader has to implement those things. But it is nice to know that, hey, we're co-laborers together in the kingdom. So let's collaborate and let's talk about how can we reach our community and how can we expand the kingdom together? And I think that will bleed over into participation in social media. It's interesting um, about you. You just mentioned something about you know people. People might not, or the leader might not always accept an idea. But we're co-laborers. Interestingly, I covered this point in episode twenty-nine, uh, talking about how we can engage people to be more active in our churches. So um, I know Jared, you wanted to to answer this as well. I think it's um it's definitely a, a touchy topic sometimes, but I think it's it's a simple parallel that can quickly be applied. For an example, when Jesus found a lot of the disciples, not found them, he knew where they were. <laughs> but when he encountered them, he said, Come follow me. For an example, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So that means, hey, walk with me. Don't go and do what I just told you to do. Don't just listen to me preach and then then you go and figure it out yourself. Come with me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that powerful piece is is something that is lacking in some in some areas where it's like, hey, yeah, we might do a Bible study or do a teaching once a week or once every two weeks or once a month. But when do you actually allow them to go with you to see you in action? When do you allow them to go with you to say, hey, you know what? Um, you're in business. So in business, this is what I've done. And this is not that you have to do this, but these are the biblical principles to apply in your specific situation. Because he didn't say, come follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men to the tax collector. He said that to the fisherman. So he Mm. allowed him to follow a path that was applicable to him based on his specialty. So when you know your flock and you can see their fruit, you apply fertilization to the applicable tree. There's a way that you fertilize certain trees because of the fruit that they need to bear. And there's a way that you fertilize mm-hmm. certain things based on what they're called to do. So Jesus went to specific people and, and approached them based on what they're dealing with. And I think if we have that customized approach, then you can still give them the gospel. You can still give them the good news, but you want to give them something that they can take. For an example, if I, if I preach to... A rich man, I'm not telling him how God can pay his light bill. I'm not telling him how he can, you know, have bread to eat. He has that. That's not the good news that he needs to have. The good news to the poor is that they don't have to be poor anymore. The good news to the rich is not that they don't have to be poor anymore. Is that they can have salvation for their souls. They can have uh, restoration. They can have peace in their heart and all these other things. It's, you got to apply the, the scriptures to what is applicable for that individual person. Mm-hmm. Now, all scriptures, right? All scriptures true and it's applicable, but 
what's most forthright when somebody says, hey, I'm hungry. It's not, hey, let's start a business together. It's like, let's let's teach you how to, let's get you some fish. Let's get you some bread. And one other thing I want to throw in there is not only did he say, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, which is applicable to the fishermen. He also gave them opportunities to work with him. So if you go to the fish and the loaves, he said, hey, what do we have? Well, we don't have two penny worth enough. It's not going to take care of all these people. Well, what do we have? A few fish and a few loaves. That's great. He took what he what they had from found from the little boy. He blessed it. He broke it and he put it back in their hands. So not only are they following him, but he's touching it from a perspective that only he can implement from the visionary standpoint and then putting it back in their hands to carry out what he showed them through the walk. So now it's like a mix of not only am I instructing you, I'm teaching you what to do. I'm allowing you to walk with me, but I'm coaching you on what to do next because he didn't just brush it and break it and leave it there. He blessed it. He broke it. And then he said, now you go feed him. Hmm. So he gave them instruction on what to do next. And a lot of times we get instruction on what to do in the season and people get stuck because they don't know what to do next. This is a season of harvest, the harvest of souls. Well, the, the harvest is plenty. It's the laborers are few. So what do I do now if I need to go get more souls? Most churches aren't answering that question. So the people want to go and get people saved. They want to tell people about Jesus. But how do I do that now on social media? How do I do that now in my community? How do I do that now with social distancing? That's not what's being portrayed. There's a couple of things that you've brought up. Number one, who are we talking about? Are we talking about the senior pastor, church leader, clergy? Are we talking about their designates? Who are we talking? Let's break it down. So in that regard, the who would be specifically any leader in leadership. And a lot of times um, that's a that's a broad topic. So I'll, I'll narrow that down some more. So if you have, let's say, from a, a business perspective, you have the CEO. The CEO is the leader of the company. He or she um, may be the one that is the figurehead of what's going on. But they also have an operations manager that reports to them that says, hey, these are the day-to-day workings. That operations manager has several um, managers or supervisors that are below that person. And then those supervisors have individual employees that they connect with. Now, the CEO is not going down to level four to, uh, to the ground level to say, hey, this is what you need to do on a day-to-day basis. The supervisor tells those individuals that. And then the uh, manager talks to the supervisors, which reports to the, the operations manager. I'm saying all this to say the who is the direct connection below and above you. So the operations manager needs to be in constant communication with the CEO and constant communication with the managers that report to them. The reason why that's important is because that direct connection is what really allows you to go from information to implementation because they're getting information, but they have to decimate that information with who is responsible to implement. So from a church perspective, if you have a pastor um, as a leader of a church in one region, they might have ministers or elders that uh, fit in um, to to do different um, roles or whatever the case may be. But as those roles are carried out, you also have the congregates that might not necessarily be a preacher or might not necessarily be a teacher, but they do have a valuable role. And a lot of times when people go to church, they want to figure out how they fit in. And the way they find how they fit in is what they're allowed to have their hands do which is why the analogy of, hey, I, bl- I blessed the bread and I broke it. Let me put it in your hands for you to pass out. Give them something to do. And I think that's where the, the connection is, is repaired is once 
they know that they can play a role that's significant and yielding the harvest. Mm-hmm. That I love that analogy, you know, because sometimes we think, well, church is church, business is business, but we can learn so much from each other and in our different roles in society as well. Now, you've actually answered quite a few questions about the the concept, but we're in a pandemic, as I mentioned before. How are people meant to do to carry out discipleship, their Bible studies and whatever? And how can we use the power of technology, social media in your case, to make it all work? Um, I believe I love what's happening on Zoom and people having meetings on Zoom because I believe you can still disciple virtually. And if that means for a church, you know, you stream, you may stream on Facebook and YouTube and, you know, wherever, but having particular ministers that say, hey, if you want to sign up and you want to talk about, you know, grief during this time because people are passing away or X, Y, and Z, our grief groups meets on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And let's all talk together about um, how we can apply the word of God to grief during this time. And you can still connect with people. I found it to be very, we honestly have connected with more people (laughs) during this time than we have um, prior to this pandemic by having this ability to meet with people through Zoom. So I think that's one practical way that you can still disciple people during this time. Yeah. And the other ways um, in which You know, we're not talking about specific platforms as such, but Facebook now you can create rooms Mm -hmm. and those rooms can be private within groups. Mm -hmm. So you've got a group and you can actually create some sort of space. I think it's a room. Uh, Don't don't quote me, but it's not a room. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and that can actually be in on Facebook, but nobody else other than your congregation can see that unless you want them to, unless you want to make the debate wider. Conversely, what I would say about Zoom and things like Facebook, where you've got private spaces is sometimes that needs to be public because I, I think when we spoke before, I mentioned that there has been some research that since the pandemic started in March 2020 or discovered that the searches for God, faith, hope, and a few other search terms has gone up exponentially uh, Mm -hmm. during this time. So people outside our faith um, that perhaps haven't aligned themselves to any faith are really looking for something. So this is a perfect opportunity for us to grab and to make sure that, you know, we're seen wider. For example, YouTube could be a good point because it's a search engine. Um, So I just wanted to throw that in there. Let's get practical in terms of the platforms and the age groups. Um, do you know if people are using social media across all age ranges or is it just limited to, to younger people for specific uh, things? You know, actually, I've seen the generation prior to us. I've seen them on Facebook more than ever. My own grandparents are on social media and they love it because 
And I love what's happening because we have older people in our church as well. They see what's happening in our generation and they want to be a part of it. They want to be in contact with their their grandchildren. They want to be a part of the church in different aspects. And it's beautiful. So I'm seeing these boomers gravitate to Facebook. Now, other platforms, not so much, but Facebook, yes. Yeah. So um, so let, let's go through the generations. You've got boomers. So there are people that are between the age of 58 plus mm-hmm. yeah then you've got gen x and they could be kind of 45 to 57 something like that mm-hmm. or uh, maybe a bit younger than that actually and then you've got the millennials millennials go up to about 35 years old so you've uh, so you're saying that it's just the boomers that are using facebook no, they're not just, no, they're not the only ones. Millennials are using them. Um, the generation afterwards, what is it? Generation Z, I believe. That's the really young ones. Those are those are the ones that are using things like TikTok. Exactly. And, um, oh, let me give you a joke about TikTok. I, when I was in um, Jacksonville, as I said, I was invited to uh, speak and also teach at a church leaders conference. And um, I was preaching on the Sunday and there was quite a few young people in the congregation. And I thought, I've got to make sure that I cover everybody so they're engaged. But I'd only just found out last year about TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned it. And you should have seen the faces of these young people. <laughs> they were just, they were all over me afterwards. Because yeah. it's like, this old woman, well, according to them, <laughs> knows about TikTok. Right, wow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. So what about the other platforms and who's using them? Yeah, so millennials, even though Twitter is probably not as many people are on the Twitter platform, it is used widespread. It's the most interactive platform, I believe, because people use this information. I don't know if you've ever seen on Instagram, people are copying and pasting what they say on Twitter and putting it on Instagram. So it's a very influential platform. And I believe a lot of millennials use that platform more than anyone else. Um, And we have a little, a trickle of the generation behind us that are on there. Um, But other than that, Instagram and Facebook are the biggest ones. YouTube is a search engine for pretty much anybody, but I believe millennials and the, what is the generation after us? I feel so old to be asking that. So so millennials, so you're bringing up Gen Z, the generation Z. Yeah. Yeah. They love YouTube as well. Um, and so it's, it's just kind of like a mixture, but I think Facebook is definitely the largest used platform for us and the boomers, but the Zen, the Zed, they don't really care about Facebook as much as we do. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I can't see any Gen Z um, really using Facebook. But there, there is a generational thing. So having broken down the kind of social media and um, we'll put all the notes in the show notes for everybody that's listening. So you've got links and some more information about what platforms would be best for your church, etc. So what do you think a church needs to do at the moment who has not engaged in hardly any social media? The the business I'll give you a business answer and the church answer. Good. The business answer is give us a call. We'll walk you through a social media evaluation and brand consultation because we'll <laughs> tell you which platforms work best and give you some key indicators on how to use it to uh, maximize your your common goal. So that's the business answer. Um, the church answer is get online and not only just get online, also 
meet the people that are connected with you where they meet. So if they happen to be all on TikTok and you might not be familiar with TikTok, join TikTok. The reason is, is if you think about Jesus, when he wanted to find the disciples, he found them where they were. He didn't make them come to him. He said, come follow me later, but he found them first. So when he found them, he found them in the midst of what they're doing, the way that they commonly communicate. Come, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. He spoke to them on his on the, on the terms that were relevant to that specific person. So when you look generationally, if they generationally are on Instagram, well, I need to be where my people are. I need to communicate where they communicate. And then it's also good to have the different pockets. If you go, for an example, to Facebook, yes, you can do a live. Yes, you can comment on somebody's posts individually, or you can send a DM, or you can have something in a, in a private room. But there's a space and time for each one of these, because there are certain times where Jesus would talk to the multitudes. Sometimes he talked to the masses. Sometimes he talked to the disciples by himself. Sometimes mm-hmm. he talked to Peter, James, and John. So it's like there's different different things. And then also the Q&A sessions that he had was different depending on who he was uh, speaking to. He would say, for an example, who do men say that I am? Well, that wasn't really for the multitudes to answer. That was specifically more so for the disciples. So there's certain Q&A situations where the people that are connected to you, you might have something that you have for all the congregants. You might have something that you have for all the leaders. You might have something that you have for all the uh, married couples or all the single moms or the single dads or all the entrepreneurs and give them something that's relatable from a scriptural perspective, but also be willing to share that on platforms. If you're, if you have a very high entrepreneurial congregation, you might want to be on LinkedIn, not just to do business transactions only, but also to spread the good news in that area. And there are certain strategies and certain things that we actually implement um, for our clients that we actually show them step by step. So if they if they know how to do it, they just need a roadmap, we'll give them the roadmap. If they don't know how to do it and need kind of like a parallel where we can walk with them, we'll do that as well. And last but not least, if they have so many other things on their plate and they're just wearing too many hats to manage it, we'll actually implement a full management system where we take care of it for them. But at the end of the day, if your goal is to expand the kingdom, it shouldn't be a situation where it's like, oh, well, you know, the church doors are closed. So we can't implement the church. The church doors are never closed. The church never had doors. The building had doors. <laughs> so if, if the doors aren't closed, why are our mouth closed? We should open our mouths about the kingdom of God. We should open our mouths about who we stand for, what we agree with and what scripturally sound and be willing to move forward. And at the end of the day, it's, it's all about impacting lives. It's all about making lives better. That's what it's about. But with that, You can say one thing, but if you're socially distant, your neighbor cannot hear you. However, online they can. So if our job is to be a billboard for the kingdom, where are the billboards mostly seen? They're seen on the highways and they're seen online. So if people aren't traveling on the highways as much because they're socially distant, you need to go where their eyes are going to be. Their eyes are going to be online. So that's what we should show up. You know, and there's a stat uh, that I saw somewhere, and it's over half the world are on the internet, even if they have just a cell phone or a smartphone. Um, and some people who have laptops or tablets, over half the world are on it. Thank you. That was a really comprehensive answer. And 
obviously all the information about MTM uh, will be in the show notes. So if people want to follow up and have that initial talk about their strategy, I would really encourage that because, um, you know, we're all a bit confused by all the information that's out there. So it'd be really worthwhile. Now, I I want to ask you a little bit about, um, and this might be going way over um, in terms of the church. I have found that we have been, uh, generally speaking, quite focused on events. Mm -hmm. So Sunday is the big event. And then what happens in the week? And so people are very attracted to, okay, I need to go to Sunday service. I need to go to this conference. What else happens in between is a little bit in the muddy water at the moment, because as I said, you know, as we we both said at the beginning, we can't meet in the physical like we used to do. But I wanted to ask you whether... It's a good idea for in the strategy planning for people to perhaps think about advertising on places like Facebook or Instagram. And what are the advantages and the disadvantages of that? I don't think it's any disadvantage of spreading your your audience and letting people know about what services you provide or you know, as far as church goes, that you're here, you're present, you're in the community, you want people to know that you're here. So I don't think there's any disadvantage of that. We highly encourage advertising um, on any platform because why? You're spreading the kingdom. You're spreading the kingdom message. And so I, I advise churches to go for it. Ironically, I have not seen a lot of churches do it. Uh, why, why do you think that is? I think some people think that ads are just so that you can sell something. But that's not true. You can actually boost ads so that people can um, have more eyes on you. And then you can have a call to action. Every ad should have a call to action, meaning you should be telling them what to do next. Now that you've seen this ad, what should I do now? So churches should put these ads forward and say, hey, we're here. It could be um, a video of you know, what they preach about or X, Y, and Z, but tell them we meet on these certain days or we have a group um, that you could join join us here. But I think that churches could definitely utilize that. That's a good, good point. So realistically, and uh, we'll need to get down to brass tacks, what sort of costs are involved in, I know you mentioned full media, uh, social media management or an interim. So what sorts of costs? Um, I think it, it varies depending on how fast they want to have an impact. The reason why I say it that way is a lot of times People, when it comes to church, a lot of things uh, people don't like to talk about is money. But <laughs> we see in the scriptures that it says count the costs. Mm-hmm. The cost is not talking about counting braids of grass or seeds. It's counting the cost, the shekels, the silver, the gold. So if you're counting the cost, that means there's a fee somewhere for something. So when you look from a, a ministry perspective to say, hey, how do I want to implement this? Um, as far as advertising, you can have an advertisement budget of $50. Or it could be fifty thousand, or it could be fifty million. So it's it really depends on how um, how you want to go about the situation. But one thing I will say, and I think Kiara has something on this as well, is knowing that it's not free. And I think that's where the 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 muddiness begins because a lot of times when people associate the gospel, well, the gospel is free. You should preach it for free. That is true. 
We completely agree with that. However, the costs of ministry do have a cost. And then when you stay at a hotel, that's not free. You had to pay for that. When you had to have food, you had to pay for that. So a lot of times when it comes to, well, why would I pay somebody to advertise or somebody to manage my social media? Is somebody else going to do it for free? Because obviously not. Because if you're not doing it and you're a, a business owner or you're a ministry leader, you're not doing it for free. Literally not doing it. You're not online. So if you're not doing it for free, would you do it if it paid you? Would, it, would you do it if it benefited you? From the business perspective, they would say yes, because it's like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to go and do this and talk to 10 million people one by one, but I can put an advertisement out that does talk to 10 million people and I'll spend X amount of dollars to do that. They're willing to do that because it gets the end result. Some, not all, because there's many ministries that do it. But there are some ministries where they struggle with that to say, well, why would I spend $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 to get this message out? Well, what else is the money going to go for? Because really, if the money that comes into the ministry is about expanding the kingdom, what else are you using the money for? And that doesn't mean all your money has to go for advertising, but it does mean that a, a portion of it should get into the community. One way to get into the community is feeding people. One way is giving shelter. One way is giving support. One way is creating systems to um, to sponsor families. There's so many different things, but there also should be a strategy for social media. Because if you don't find them and say, hey, you know what? We have resources for the homeless or we have resources for the jobless or whatever the case may be. You can tell more people about that online with less money then you can actually do that in hiring 50 people to go and march throughout the city. It's going to cost more to house those people and get them to go from country to country than it is to manage an ad campaign. And one thing I wanted to add is that obviously we work in the space of business and a lot of entrepreneurs negate the fact that their marketing budget is crucial. People focus on the products and the services and getting those things done, but they always leave out that marketing portion. And I think leaders, pastoral leaders in general, they have to realize that they are kingdom entrepreneurs. <laughs> they have a service that they are providing to the community and they need to let people know what it is. That means you need a marketing budget, period. That's it. And there are different ways you can market, whether it's on social media or in person or what have you. Our church, and you can even use free free ways, but honestly, um, our church use billboards. And it would be so funny because we would ask the new people, hey, how'd you hear about us? And they would say, oh, we saw the billboard coming, um, coming to church. I kept seeing that billboard back and through. And also they would say, hey, I church the best, the best church in Sanford. And they found our ministry because we had the search engine op optimization intact for that because we knew that that was important and people would be using Google to find churches. So I think our ministries have to realize that you are kingdom entrepreneurs and marketing is important. <laughs> yeah. Kingdom entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there'd be a dis debate and discussion about that. But, you know, <laughs> We're not talking about people are going to go out there and make millions for a local church. We're talking about looking at the gospel and how we spread it. Mm -hmm. right. And that takes innovation. That takes intentionality. So I totally am with you 100%. I want to ask you if there was one thing, one piece of advice that you could give a church leader, 
a pastor, a minister, a member of clergy who's in charge of an assembly who needs to connect with people on social media, what would it be? So the one piece of advice I would say is twofold. One, definitely use social media. And two, don't neglect women in ministry. <laughs> is social media transcends the market in so many different ways. The scriptures say, be in the world, but not of the world. So because of that, if we're in the world, we have to be able to communicate with people that are in the world the way that they communicate. We can't come in talking hallelujah the very first time you meet somebody because they might not know what hallelujah means. But over time, they can kind of get it. And that's what you want to do. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corner in the ear. It's a growth process. So you got to be able to communicate on a, rel- a relatable way in a relatable fashion. So that's where social media comes in from the church perspective. The reason why I coupled that with um, women in ministry is a lot of times the the old way was, hey, don't don't let women speak. Don't let them talk. Let them stay to the side. But after Jesus died, when he got up, he didn't tell the men. He had an important message that he sent through the ladies. And the reason why that's so important is in the world and not of the world is, is both sides of using social media and also understanding that women have power, women have leadership capability, and women in a lot of areas do so much better than the men is from a world perspective, you see glorified the single mom. Why? Because the single mom is the social media police in the house. The single mom is the breadwinner. The single mom is the one that's paying the bills and influencing children. So if that single mom gets saved and joins the ministry, she's been leading in every area of her life. And then she joins the church to be quiet. That should be that way. So wow. I'm going to leave it at that. And I'm going to let the wow. start. Drop, drop the mic. Drop exactly. the mic. <laughs> and Kiara, what would you add to that? I didn't think he was going to take that, that route, but... Um... <laughs> I would say, really, if you are a leader and you're overwhelmed with the idea of social media, it's okay to ask your congregation who loves social media and who is willing to spearhead to give creative ideas for X, Y, and Z or to do advertisement and also be willing to pay them. If you have a budget, I believe you should have a budget. Why? Because people think that... um, Social media is so easy and honestly is not. It takes a lot of time to put graphics together, to put um, compelling messaging together, to compel people to come and to talk about different things and to have you know great content. So I would say search your, your church first to see who's willing to do that because they understand the vision of the ministry. Right. You know, I wouldn't recommend, even though we're a social media marketing agency, I wouldn't recommend hiring a regular, you know, a outside company to come and do this in your church. I would recommend using the people that are dedicated to the vision of your ministry and let them you know, give the ideas and the creative and innovative ideas that they have for social media and be willing to implement them and do something new. It's a new, it's a new time. <laughs> so you have to adjust to the times, be willing to implement something new. That would be my, my suggestion. But I'll add to that, that if you don't have people that have the skills, the knowledge, they may have the passion, they can work with an organization like yours mm-hmm. to get at least get a strategy in place. And I know that you 
offer strategies, etc. So um, the offer is there. I have absolutely loved talking to you. And honestly, we could go on for another hour or so. <laughs> and I will be inviting you back. Well, that's if you want to come back. Yes, um, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fantastic. Um, all the details of MTM Creative Imaging will be on the show notes uh, together with links to some of the resources that we've been talking about and even the previous episode because it dovetails into this will be on the show notes. And don't forget, please share this episode with other fellow ministers, church leaders, pastors, clergy, and leave some comments about the podcast as well. That would be very appreciated. So Jared and Kiara, I want to thank you so much for your time and for your expertise and your wisdom. It's been fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. It's been definitely an honor to be able to speak on your platform and we don't count it lightly. So thank you once again for the opportunity. Yes. And we definitely look forward to uh, the next session. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast. If you enjoyed the show, let us know what you think by leaving feedback on any podcast platform you listen to podcasts on. Don't forget to share this link with fellow ministers and church leaders and join us every Monday for another episode of the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast.